Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore. It's another episode. And today's episode, I talked to Caleb of Beartooth, and it's great. Um, he's at home in the States, and uh, and we have a wonderful chat, um, all recorded remotely, um, even though... I'm starting to kind of uh, record a few now face to face, which is super exciting. Um, being able to uh, be in a room again with people and uh, and feel the uh, ambiance uh, of uh, of being in a room with another human and chatting. Um, nothing is lost remotely in this chat. It is beautiful, and uh, Caleb is really open and honest, and we talk amazing records. We talk mental health. We talk what it's like to go and two of the world at 15. Um, it's a real wonderful insight into uh, uh, a really nice human being. Um, and before we get on with that chat, um, a few thank yous. Um, thank you to the wonderful Emma, um, who's been so uh, so helpful with this podcast, as as helped me get some incredible guests on um and and she was responsible for this chat you're about to hear as well um thank you to uh, the podfather himself uh, scroobius pip and everybody at the distraction pieces network which this podcast is very proud to be part of um thanks to 76 for producing this audio you know he's having to mess around with zoom recordings and and do his best that he can to um give you the warmest sounding um production that he can and he's doing a stellar job so uh, so so huge thanks to 76 um and lastly and certainly not leastly um big love and thanks to you lot for you know i mean i was uploading some episodes this morning and uh, and I just looked, and I was uploading episode three hundred and thirty-six, and I just think that's a lot of pod chats. And and then I start to realise, well, hang on a minute, I'm putting like four out a week at the moment, which is you know is a lot. Um, and you know, obviously, they all have to be recorded and then sent off to seventy-six, and and then obviously then uploaded and and all taken care of, and to you know to to get them out. But it's been. As, as I start so many of these conversations over the last year or so, talking about how they found that last year, the process for me of being able to just take myself to the end of the garden, to my little shed um, where I record, and be able to engage with wonderful creative people that, you know, I've, I've either spent years watching them on the telly or buying their records. You know, it's it's been such a beautiful distraction from, you know, a very, very odd time. Uh, and the fact that you lot have been on that ride with me and supported it and 
told your pals and and you know sent me little messages saying that you like this one and, and things like that it's it's been an absolute lifeline so just massive love and thanks to you lot um for considering you know listening to this and and and, and reaching out and and saying nice things and such because it's yeah it's been beautiful and uh and in, you know when i look back in in years to come and people talk about lockdown and on what a bananas time it was when it's a, a distant memory uh i think one of the lasting things that i will take from this will be a positive and that positive will be this podcast and the fact that i got to create something really really positive in in, in a pretty negative time so uh, so thanks thanks for uh, for being on board right um if this is your first time listening as well when you finish listening to my chat with caleb then um go explore the back catalogue because, um, well, I've had some, some guests on that, that, that Caleb talks about. Um, and yeah. And if you like your rock and roll, then where can I, where can I direct this? Um, Motley Crue, uh, Foo Fighters, um, Papa Roach, um, Butch Vig, him, him, that, that, that fella that produced a couple of albums that I think they've done all right. Never mind Siamese dream, you know sonic youth uh so yeah go uh, go check out that uh episode there's there's like i say there's 300 plus episodes so um if you like your rock and roll um go and have a search and you'll find absolutely loads go check out the episode with cancer bats or with frank carter uh or with radio one's dampy carter um there's 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 some absolute crackers if you like your rock and roll and if you just like lovely friendly people talking about their life and their creative journey and the records that mean a lot to them, then pick any of them because uh, I've been blessed. They've all been lovely. And I'll tell you otherwise, if I honestly thought I'd recorded one and they weren't very nice, uh, well, I wouldn't put it out, but that hasn't happened. Everybody's been so lovely. Um, and, and and very much the case with Caleb. When, when we finished, he, 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 you know, after we pressed up, he was quite... Um, he, he was kind enough to say that, you know, he really enjoyed it and it felt different from a lot of other interviews because it's not just talking about, you know, the new record. It was, you know, talking about his life and talking about, you know, other people's records that, that you know, he's super passionate about. So, yeah. Anyway, I realise I'm waffling now, but... Um, but yeah, I'm just kind of uh, feeling the love today. Uh, you can go and um, check out the back catalogue and you can support the podcast by by doing that and subscribing and, and telling your pals and sharing it on the socials. And if you'd like to go a step further, for 79p um, a month, you can support me on Patreon and get access to another few hundred episodes over there that haven't been put out to the, the masses. Um, video episodes radio shows all sorts of stuff over on patreon it's uh p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash off the beaten track uh but you can find out about everything you need to know about this podcast at www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com right please enjoy today's episode the wonderful caleb of beartooth right i've got to take a quick break in this podcast because i've got some super exciting news off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership 
is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon, and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's Off The Beat & Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Give me stew with him. Right, we are recording. Caleb, how you doing? I am doing great, you know. Uh, got up real early, ran to the gym, got a little workout in, got a nice tasty beverage. I'm all caffeinated. I don't know. I'm ready to take on the day. I'm, I'm ready for anything. Let's good, go. good, good. Whereabouts are you in the world right now? I am in Columbus, Ohio. Born and raised, still living here. Has uh, has the whole situation that uh, we're all kind of uh, trudging our way through at the moment, how is it there? Um, we're actually, like, I mean, pretty much fully opened up uh, oh, at this wow. point. Yeah, we the vaccines have been, I mean, rolling out here incredibly well, um, which is great. I don't remember what. There was some stipulation that we needed to get to, like, Per hundred thousand people, only a certain amount of people are, you know, testing positive for COVID. I, sure. I don't remember how it worked exactly, but we are way under some threshold. So yeah, about a week ago, uh, they dropped like the mandates and everything's fully back open. And uh, there's still a lot of people wearing masks. Um, and you know, it, it's obviously still a work in progress. But yeah, I, I don't think you know people are really getting too sick and uh having a lot of problems anymore which is really great and hopefully yeah we can get these vaccines out to the rest of the world because i know there are still a lot of places that are really struggling absolutely absolutely and 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 just sort of casting our mind back over the last i mean we should point out we're recording this um middle of june um just Mm -hmm. casting our mind back over the last you know 13 14 months have you found it um as both human being and creative Ooh, um, <laughs> difficult and painful on both fronts, honestly. I mean, as a creative, I've never had a hit like this. You know, this was, uh, this was brutal. Being isolated, you know, and just seeing the same thing, going through the same routine and trying to create and find this, you know, divine inspiration that, you know, catching lightning in a bottle, uh, I don't know. It just felt like it was almost you're to a point. You just start trying to manufacture that because you feel like you have no real drive creatively. Um, at least to me, you know, being in the music industry and, um, you know, we just came off of a record cycle. Just we're doing these big shows, these big tours, like coming off of an ultimate high and going into writing mode. And then, you know, simultaneously with really starting that process of writing, everything's shutting down and it just continually getting worse. You know, when it started, it was, all right, we got to cancel a couple shows, but, you know, this should only be a few weeks. We'll be right back. And then, you know, continually just canceling events and then sure. pushing dates back, our release date, you know, the due date, everything. It's just like, you know, it gets to a point where, you know, 
everyone's kind of saying there, you have no real due date. Uh, we don't know when this is going to be back. So you can literally take as long as you want to make this record. And whenever you feel done with it, cool. And we'll think about it then. Uh, in a way that was just like kind of a knife to the gut, you know, um, not really having any plans, having any future lined up. It was just, I was kind of working, which, what seemed like for nothing. Um, so, you know, it was brutal. So as a creative, that, that was, you know, kind of that feeling and that like, you know, just that, that pain. And then on top of that, just being a, you know, a normal human being, which I'm sure everybody else felt, it was just brutal. In, in regards to that creative process, uh, uh, you know, as a, as a touring band, I guess you're, you're constantly when you're touring thinking, you know, I wish I had a little bit more time when I'm at home and things like that. And, you know, you miss home and, and to then have that, what, what I've generally kind of the consensus of opinion I've got from, from musicians when I've been chatting about this situation with them is that obviously they want that time to be at home. And then, but it was what you touched on there that where, well, there is no actual date. That that point where you're in limbo, where there is no, well, I can write this record now because I know that by then we can get it out and we can tour and things like that without having that kind of thing. Was it that kind of process of being in limbo that felt really fucking weird? Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it, it threw me into such a weird place of, you know, maybe I'd feel genuinely inspired and creative and like kind of push through the wall and have this break for, you know, three days, four days, maybe if I was lucky. And then, you know, it'd be three weeks, sometimes a month, two months of, you know, going down to the studio to work and just everything sounds bad. And, you know, everything is bad. Like I'm just not writing good material. And uh, yeah, like that's what, you know, it felt like it was just this constant limbo of, yeah, limbo is such a good way to put it. It's just like, I have no idea if anything's going to be good. I have no idea if anything's going to be bad. It's just this weird, stagnant, static existence. And we're just trying to find a way to work and create and have any bit of inspiration. Okay, well... Let's move forward and uh, with a positive mindset for uh, your playlist. And, uh, and for track one, I'm going to ask you to tell me, please, the song that you reckon has the greatest ever intro. Oh, the greatest ever intro. That was uh, that's Hell's Bells. That's ACDC. That is an, uh, an absolute banger. First track on Back in Black record, uh, which was also, you know, the first record that I went into a store and bought with like, you know my own money and i i remember getting but that record means a lot to me and i yeah that that intro just has such a big had such a big impact on my life yeah yeah i'll tell you what it's uh it's a popular one with the rockers man like really? uh liam counterbats yeah. picked it um and oh. and i think Deft one of deftones chose it as well and uh so yeah you're in good company there it's uh it's a huge intro and and with that kind of uh in mind the way that obviously acdc wrote their intros back then they had nothing on their agenda other than writing an incredible record and hopefully getting it on the radio um yeah 
So the way that music is listened to now is way different. And the considerations now that artists have to put on their, their, their songwriting has changed, certainly in the more commercial pop markets. And so where I'm going with this is I just want to ask you, you know, seeing how people listen via these streaming services and how it would appear that attention spans are slightly getting shorter. Um, when you're writing songs, how much emphasis do you put on that intro and trying to hook people quickly? Do you Is that a consideration? Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's you know, a lot you know, of... Do you know where I'm going with a question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it really is a totally different way of consuming music now. Because, you know, like, I, you know, I love listening to records front to back. Yeah. You know, it, and like there was meaning, there was purpose in every single moment of that album. And the intro being, I mean, everything. It was like, how are you going to hook somebody into listening to this entire album? Mm. And yeah. So now with it being just moments, you know, songs big you know the number one songs are all you know under three minutes probably two two minutes 20 seconds to two minutes 40 seconds i mean there are songs that are like a minute and a half that are massive and you know it just it just begins and you got to get to a chorus quick you got to get to a hook you know it may start with the chorus i don't know but to me I, i am still a big believer in kind of like the intro being a way into something and like building you up instead of it just starting and being like, boom, here's the song overload of information. Boom. It's done. I don't know. I I still am a huge fan of like, yeah, the, the way it gets into it and why I think hell's bells is so great is it's just so long. And I mean, I'm trying to, think about the first time i listened to it because i mean it has been so so long but like it is a long intro i mean they really drag that thing out Mm. and uh but it's amazing like if you know when you're sitting down there with the lights off and you just have your speakers blasting and this bell is pounding you and then the riff and then the drums and it just continually stacks until eventually everything's glued and it's just driving and punching Uh, it's beautiful and I'm still a big fan of that. I'm still a big fan of, you know, building up the intro and then you get the payoff of, you know, the big moment when everything is glued together finally. So, yeah, that that is one thing I kind of miss um, with in modern music a little bit is like that the intro being so important, you know. I think it. I think it exists. I think it exists in like dance music. I think so. If yeah. you listen to it, that kind of build up to the drop, it's like. Mm-hmm. It, I think that when people are making sort of whatever you want to call it, you know, techno, EDM, house music, whatever, I do yeah. think that is still exists there. They're not trying to make it hooky. I think they're just trying to give you that payoff of like we build you up and then have it. And I think that yeah. it, it does sort of feature there. But I do think like now if somebody put together a, you know, a rock record like that and, and went, here's our intro, for me, I just picture a load of record company execs going, wow, fucking hell, man, like, what's going on? This is like, yeah. hurry up. Where's the song, man? We're, like, we're going to lose them. Do you know what I mean? And it's crazy yeah. to think that like, because you could look at any, any one of probably the top 20 biggest selling records of all time 
and they will all have had that sort of brilliant opening track, a journey. And so also, before we get on the second track, I'm going to ask you this as well then. You know, saying that you like listening to records sort of front to back and the way that, you know, a lot of people now will go on iTunes and, and cherry pick a couple of tracks they know from a, a, a record. Um, mm-hmm. Do you still spend a lot of time when you're putting an album together um, working on what song's going where, You making it a journey, making it a piece of art? I do. Absolutely. It is so important to me. And, you know, on like even on, on the topic of intros, you know, for uh, this new album uh, below that we're, you know, putting out. Well, I mean, I don't know when this is coming out, but yeah, today we have about a week until it comes out. Sure. And, you know, I, there is like an intro, you know, where it's all part of the first song. But yeah, I mean, there's a good probably 20 seconds somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 30 seconds um before like you know it really kicks in and even for you know uh, for me at this day and age like that felt pretty wild (laughs) to just basically have like guitars feeding back and screaming and then like a kick drum comes in and then a vocal comes in and like that's just not you know usually it's just start the song yeah you know in, you know, riff, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, yeah. breakdown, riff, we're out of here. See you later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, you know, I really, I really do focus on like the whole record and the intro being a part of it. And then how does that lead into the next song? And when do we give people a breather with like a little bit of a lighter track? When do we hit them again with a heavy one? Like listening to a record in order, I just think is the way music is supposed to be listened to, at least if it's made as a record, you know, if somebody puts out an album, I would recommend highly listening to it in order, just sitting down, you can find 45 minutes out of your day and just listening to that whole thing as a piece. And then after that, I don't care. You listen to the singles, you Mm. put it in playlists, whatever you want, but just me as, you know, kind of the old school purist I am, I still have a big affinity for uh, people placing things very specifically. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you, mate. Absolutely agree with that. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
for track two, um, I'm going to take you back, please, and I'm going to ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please. Yeah, yeah. I, I've really been thinking about this over the last couple of days because I've just been like, I don't know how to physically answer this. But because uh, it, it really is. There's so many tracks that like really hit me hard. But I guess you can honestly, have some honorable I, mentions. You can for a few. Well, yeah, but the one that really comes to mind that I think had an impact on my life and that I can specifically remember a moment that it was like a really important thing and it helped me was uh, the song You're Not Alone by Seosin. I believe I was, I don't know, I was probably like 11, uh, maybe 12 years old, something like that. But, you know, this is, I, I mean, it's pretty widely talked about and well not talked about. it's pretty widely known that i've you know dealt with a lot of mental health um struggles over the years and when i was younger i, I don't even remember what the whole situation was but i was just by myself it was very late at night um and i was just like mentally falling apart and it was a really really bad day no reason no understanding of what's going on and this is also before i really knew what was going on and I was doing things in my life to try and help myself. So it, it was just a really, really painful moment. I remember that. And then I was on MySpace or on, I don't remember what, what would it have been? Not SoundCloud, but some, some place to listen to music. Um, and yeah, I, I again, I, I wish I could like remember more of this whole scenario, but I just remember that song coming on and hearing that. Uh, and the chorus coming in and, you know, it's just, you're not alone. There's more to this. I know, uh, you can make it out. And, uh, I was just like, as, as much as just saying that in a sentence is like, man, that sounds incredibly obvious and kind of corny. It's like, that just like struck me to the core. And, uh, you know, few times have I had moments like that where a super obvious lyric really hits me. Uh, I don't know why it's just rare that that really, you know, resonates with me and like, um, you know, strums my strings or whatever you want to call it. But yeah, I, I, I just was like, went from this place of utter despair to being like, wow, somebody else knows what I feel. It, that's the emotion that I felt is that like, I, I really am not alone in this, feeling that i'm having yeah sure like there's there there is somebody else that gets it and just that simple thought um like i i, I mean in the moment I, it you know i was going down a pretty dark road and it yeah. <laughs> i don't want to get super heavy into it but it really helped in that moment uh, yeah. it did a lot to get me to a better mental place and i like called some friends and was like hey i need you to come over and like you know just be with me for a little while and uh yeah so I will say that that was a really, I would say that song had a big emotional impact for sure. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humor in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, 
They do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they have given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. So I, I imagine... I don't want to presume too much, but I presume that music's, you know, a good medicine for you, uh, you know, if uh, if you're feeling pretty blue. Um, yeah. And with, with that in mind, Caleb, when you're having a – you wake up and you're feeling low and you put music on, do you put music on that is quite somber that will help you process that emotion and you work through it? Or do you put on something, you know, reach for Blink-182 and throw yourself around the front room and, and party? But, you know, do, are you happy to kind of sort of process the, the, the feelings and, and, and immerse them a little bit? Do you know what, what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. Totally get it. And I think it's all situational. Um, I think, and, and it's become a bit more rare these days just because, honestly, like that kind of more somber like you know really diving into the emotional stuff uh i feel like i try and do that a little more during like in the quiet like i don't really do that as much with music just because when i'm writing you know bear tooth stuff it is so emotional and it is incredibly draining and that kind of like let's sit with these emotions and dissect them and like dive into this and try and work through some shit. Sure. Um, and, but yeah, it, it, when I wake up and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm just not there that day. Like it, it's just not really working. I need something to like get me moving. Um, usually I'll put on something that it just, I know that emotionally makes me feel brighter and happier. Yeah. And, uh, I'm really, you know, I've been working for many months to get myself into the routine of right when I wake up, it's like, wake up, have a coffee, go to the gym or, you know, get out and do a short run or just work out in the morning. Because for me, exercise is incredibly important to my mental health. Um, and I've just found that through my journey over the you know years. But doing that and putting on like just some rock and roll, just some shit that I love, like putting on an old... ACDC record or putting on, you know, like the dirty nil, which is this amazing band, this like Canadian piece. That's like a great rock band that I love. Um, I don't know, putting on Metallica, putting on just something that I'm like, it, it's more motivating, I guess. Yeah. It, I'm like, let's take on the fucking day. Like, yeah. let's go. Um, that I feel like has been really helpful for me getting out of, you know, kind of a mental funk in the morning or just like to get my day going. But I, there is definitely a time and place for, you know, the more like somber kind of, you know, the thinking person's music, <laughs> just sure. like sitting there and just kind of like going over yourself and like listening to these words and letting them just like hit you. Uh, that's almost to me, that's more of like a meditative thing. hundred yeah. percent. You know what I mean? hundred yeah. percent. There's, there's records that I listen to that, you know, if if I'm if I'm feeling, I've got to be in the right mood to listen to spiritualized Radiohead, anything like that. I'll just think 
if I'm not feeling 100%, I think, do you know what? I don't need to be listening to that today. It's like, right. uh, it, it is, I think it, it's more of a, 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 a you know, a, a spiritual thing. I think if you're in the right place and that music can absolutely hit home. But uh, yeah, I think it is, it is definitely like, you know, situational, 100%. Uh, yeah. Well, for track three, I'm going to um, stay in the formative years and I'm going to ask you please to tell me the song that reminds you of your time at school. Uh, yeah, I chose an under oath song. Uh, it's dangerous business walking out your front door. And I just remember this. This reminds me of school because, uh, I I wish I remember what year this was, but it was somewhat, you know, around the year that, that you're only chasing safety, uh, or they're only chasing safety. That under oath record came out, you know, their first kind of like breakthrough album. And I just remember listening that record out. You know, I would ride my bike to school every day. I would have that playing in my headphones. Every time I would ride my bike home, I'd have that playing in my headphones. When I was at home, I was playing that record. When I would be like, any time I wasn't hanging out with people doing schoolwork or, I don't know, I, I was listening to that, to that record so much. And uh, yeah, it, it's when you, it, that was a cool question. Because it just made me remember that. I was like, man, that record really had such a huge impact on my life. And then I chose, you know, it, it really is that record as a whole. But that song specifically, I think, was just like my favorite. So Yeah. And and, and tell me about school. Was that was that something you enjoyed? Um yeah, it depends. Uh I, you know, I, I didn't have like a terrible school experience. I know some people like absolutely despise it, but it was just kind of like it was what it was, you know, um, when I was a lot younger, uh, I enjoyed it. I definitely did. There were, there were things about it. I enjoyed, um, I had a really hard time concentrating. So, you know, like things like homework and all that. I mean, I don't think any kid likes that kind of stuff, <laughs> but you, you know, you just kind of power through it. But once I got to middle school and which is really around the time that that record, you know, this time it, time period that I'm talking about. Um, that's when it just all became about music. You know, music has always been the most important thing in my life. I mean, since before I can remember all I've cared about is music, but that's when it became like, this is what I want to do with my life. And I just stopped doing anything else. (laughs) You know, I, I couldn't focus in school. Uh, all I wanted to do was, play guitar, play drums, you know, jam with people, uh, whatever. But yeah, that, so, and then I only went to, um, one year of high school. So I I only went to school until I was, um, when I was 14, that was my last year of school. And then I started touring full time when I was 15. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of, I don't know, your pretty standard stuff. Didn't love it. Fell in love with music. And then, you know, just stop going. <laughs> was that love of music um, encouraged at school? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it definitely wasn't discouraged. And it was very encouraged by my family, uh, by my parents. They were incredibly encouraging. You know, both of them came from pretty musical families. Well, very musical families, honestly. Uh, so that was always cool. And then, you know, we had like band class at school. Um which was awesome. Honestly, one of the most, like, I think pivotal things that ever happened to me was in 
was fifth. I believe it was fifth grade. Um, we did a field trip to a recording studio and like in like music class, we like learned some, you know, song and we went to an actual like recording studio and like, you know, the, the 30 of us in the class or whatever it was all got in there. They threw up like a couple of microphones and then we sang the song and they hit record. And, but, uh, you know, being like, you know, 10 years old or (laughs) I was like, this is so cool. And from that moment on my dream, uh, was to be a session musician and, you know, I didn't ever even honestly want to be in a band. I just wanted to like be behind the scenes and like work in studios and just perform on other people's records. Um, but yeah, like how cool is that for a school to do? So yeah. like bring a bunch of kids in fifth grade to a recording studio and let them record something mm-hmm. like it, it changed my life. It, it was so important to what I do now. It's crazy. Well, standing the, the formative years for one more, um, I'm going to ask you uh, to tell me about the first record you got from a record store. Yeah. So, you know, back to uh, back to ACDC. It was back in black. And I will never forget it. Um, I honestly, you know, I, I had been exposed to a lot of, you know, classic rock, but a, a little more of the like, 60s 70s you know a little more zeppelin yeah um you know a little more uh british like that kind of stuff and uh some you know american rock because i you know two uncles that were like definitely big rockers in the day and you know they played in bands and they were always you know showing us cool music and then was there music on at home though oh yeah absolutely always what stuff was you getting exposed to growing up indoors uh, at home, you know, it, it, it was a few different things. My mom was really into the like uh, the 80s kind of, you know, uh, pop stuff, like pop rock, like a lot of, I mean, killer records like Toto was a huge one. Uh, yes, was a big one. And, you know, I remember she'd like throw those records on and we'd like when I was, you know, like two or three and I'd like be dancing around. And, uh, that was like a really cool memory I had a lot of that, but then, you know, um, a lot of Motown, uh, a lot of Michael Jackson. Um, yeah, just, I mean, really, really killer stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, my uncles got me really into like the rock and roll and, uh, yeah, that, that was, that was all super cool. And then I, I really don't even remember what my first, how I was first exposed to ACDC. Like I, I truly do not remember, but I just remember hearing the song back in black somewhere and being like, what is this? Like that guitar sound is enormous. Like I am in love with this, whatever the sound is. And then, yeah, I went, bought the record and, uh, I mean, that was it. That was all I did was listen to those records, grab my guitar and play along to those. Well, to this, to that record, you know, (laughs) play guitar to that record. uh, It it was everything. I I mean, that record is still the most important record to me in my life. Like it changed everything about my love of music, specifically my love of rock and roll. You know, the way I act on stage, the way I 
write songs. Everything, you know, comes from that record, really. Do you do you think like like listening to your your records like obviously you know it's full on rock, but when them choruses drop, I can hear all manner of pop sensibilities in there. Do you think being exposed to the likes of Motan and Jackson and things like that has found its way sort of through into you know the the, the melting pot of of, of your creativity? One hundred percent. I mean, the chorus. And I say is that still, with the greatest of respect. Of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, I think to me that's still the most like satisfying thing and the most impressive thing to me in all of songwriting is writing a really good chorus, hmm. a really good melody. Um, you know, and even you know, like growing up. You know, going to like my grandparents, uh, I remember they grew up in like Southern, or they're from Southern Kentucky. So, you know, country, very, you know, Christian, very gospel, like kind of hymn music. Sure. Um, even that, like harmonies, huge thing to me. Um, you know, my mom was a big harmonies person. Uh, when we would drive around, you know, in the car and she'd always have music playing, she would always sing the harmony. She never sung the lead when she was singing along to a song ever. Um, and that always like, I didn't understand what was going on. That's quite unique. Just, isn't like, it? it sounds awesome, but I don't yeah. get it. Like why you're not singing the right notes. So, you know, things like that, the pop, the harmonies. Yeah. It's all so ingrained in me from such a young age that like, That'll, that's still my yeah my favorite most gratifying part and yeah the, all the childhood stuff had such a big influence so i think that's fascinating that that, that you picked out that your mom was singing harmonies like just in the car i think that's really unique and and and, and quite quite strange i don't I've, I've never seen many people do that before and no i've still never seen anybody else do that <laughs> and it's, it's really cool though and and do you think that kind of sort of mindset of, of, of listening to music and picking it apart. How old was you? Was you still, was you quite young when you would start to kind of deconstruct the records you was listening to and, and start to sort of think about how they were put together? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it was all, it all started with just memorizing. Um, and I, you know, I didn't even really realize I was doing it until I was older. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would memorize everything till it was like <laughs> i don't know I, I feel like it's like some people have like a visual photographic memory i feel like i would listen to things to the point where i would be like in my head i could just hear it yeah. like i can still in my head play back in black and i would like train myself you know and be like okay this song is in the key of e and then you know i would like not listen to it for a long time or spend a whole day and then try and like play it in my head yeah. And then hit an E on the piano when I got home and see if I was in the right key. Or, um, you know, then later in life it turned into, I don't know, with tempos and like being able to try and call them off the top of my head. But it, I mean, yeah, I've just processing and reliving it over and over and over and over in my head. It just made the deconstructing kind of part of it, yeah. you know, because then I could reference moments very quickly or reference like 
oh, in this song, you know, after verse two, this is how they get into the bridge uh, or after chorus two, you know, after verse two, this is how they got in the chorus. This is how they got in the bridge. And um, yeah, so I mean, from a very young age, it was just memorizing and then taking it really, really far from there. Well, let's move forward uh, a few years. And, and for track five, uh, I'm going to ask you about a song that soundtracked your years clubbing. Now, there's an addendum to this 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 question, and that that you know that doesn't necessarily mean some chrome covered you know nightclub with your your shirt off with glow sticks raving. It can be it can be anything. It can be a rock club. It can be like your local dive bar, yeah. like a song that soundtrack. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Like that kind of moment in your life. Absolutely. So uh, I actually chose a cancer bat song. I actually chose uh, Hail Destroyer. Because, oh, wonderful. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd never gone to clubs other than playing in clubs when I was a kid. Um, but, you know, from touring from so young, like, you know, in the States, we can't drink alcohol till we're 21. It's like I had already gone through my whole first band and into my second band then. So it's like I wasn't going out to clubs, but, you know, touring over in the UK and in Europe, the clubbing starts much younger and they listen to rock. And I had no idea that that happened. Um, I'd never heard of anything other than, you know, dance music. And hip hop and club music in a club. That's all. What that. a revelation! Yeah, and, and I was just like, "What?" Like, I was like, "I love this band. Like, people are listening to alternative. Like, there's metal and emo music, and like people screaming and people are dancing and drinking to it. Like, where am I? What is this heaven that I have found?" And uh, yeah, but I, I really don't know why exactly. But just Hail Destroyer. Maybe it was on the first time I like yeah. was at a rock club in England or what. But it just always seemed like a staple to me, and uh, it just really reminds me. Anytime I hear that song, I immediately go to like a dirty club at one in the morning in England, uh, just with like smell the smell of pints poured everywhere, and yeah, it, it's just the best. It automatically takes me to it. Oh, wonderful. I mean, just tell me a little bit um, more. About, I'm just really interested to know that, you know, I, I, my, my youngest daughter's 15, and the thought of her jumping in a van and going touring, you know, the country scares the living shit out of me. Uh, tell me uh, how that was, the excitement, you know, the worry, and, you know, what, you know, what was your folks kind of take on that? And, and yeah, just tell me about being so young and doing so much. They, they were champs. Uh, they were great about it. I mean, it was one of those things that I, it was all such a whirlwind. Like, you know, I joined my first like local band when I was like 13 or 14. Um, and then, you know, I joined another local band called Attack Attack. And 
you know, we play a couple shows and then we play, you know, a show two hours away. And then we played three shows in one weekend where we're gone for the whole weekend. And then, you know, we're getting really big on the internet and we get signed and we get a manager and we get a booking agent and it all just happens. I mean, like in the blink of an eye. And I, I feel like, you know, our management at the time kind of went to my parents and was like, you know, cause I just, I didn't really know what was going on, but I was just like, Hey mom and dad, I was like, we got signed. Like we got a record deal. <laughs> they're like you're 14. Like what? <laughs> I was like, yeah, like I swear, like, you know, all these bands that I like are on this record label and like, they want to sign us. And I was like, they're just, I don't think they really knew what, how to take that. Yeah. And you know, the management, at least how my parents tell me is, you know, cause they had their own calls with, you know, managers being like, what are you doing with my child? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> you know, management was like, oh, you know, they're going to be out for a couple of weeks and then they'll be home for a while. And like, he can do online school or, you know, just for the weeks he's gone. And, uh, but yeah, you know, it won't be that crazy. And my parents were like, you know what, you know, this is a really cool opportunity and they really trusted everybody else in the band that I was in. And, you know, I was the youngest and there were, you know, people, I mean, to be fair though, it was like, you know, we were aged 14 through 20, (laughs) so 15 through 20. Uh, It wasn't exactly, you know, that we were out there being the smartest people in the world, but Yeah. yeah, they just trusted it and they let it happen. And yeah, I, I, my dad, I don't remember, but I was talking about it with my dad earlier, um, like, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago. And he said that he, if he remembers correctly, the first year's worth of time that we were touring, we toured like 43 or 46 weeks. We were on the road. Sorry. <laughs> hang on. What well, weren't the deal two weeks and then exactly. you're going to be <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, they just got thrown in the deep end. Uh, you know, and also I think nobody really expected Attack Attack to like do what it did. Yeah. And yeah. it just kind of like that first record happened and caught like, you know, I guess went viral in a way before things were really gone viral. But it, it was just we were super busy and something else would come through and, you know, my parents would just be like, yeah, all right, that's cool. And then by the time I was 16, it was just, everybody knew I was going to be gone all the time. That was just what I did, you know? Wow. Wow. Track six, I'm going to take you home and I want a favorite song from an artist from your hometown, please. Mm. I again had a, had a long thought about this. Because, I, I mean, there are a lot of Ohio bands, but I just, I don't know. I feel like I, I wasn't sure what to pick. But I chose um, the band Reliant K. They're from, I don't remember where in Ohio, but uh, they had a really big impact on me. They have this record called Mm-hmm, just M-M-H-M-M. And uh, I, I want to say it probably came out in, like, early 2000s. And it was this really fast, super, super catchy pop punk record. And uh, again, incredibly formative for me, had brilliant hooks, very well written, still one of my favorite pop punk records of all time. Uh, But the song 
is called, I think it's called The One I'm Waiting For. Mm. And it's the first song on that record. And again, with the intros, like I'm a big intros person. And the way that song starts is so rad. It, it's like the whole song is super fast, you know, punk drums. And I'd like never really heard that before. And uh, like just trying to wrap my head around the timing of everything. And then it has the like fast into like a groovy chorus into a groovy bridge, like, it's very similar to the way I write now. And I realize after looking back again, how, you know, formative that record was for me, but people sleep on Reliant K as a pop punk band, unbelievable pop punk band mm-hmm. would highly recommend. It's your last track. And, uh, and this is where you get to, to be tastemaker and, uh, and throw something out there. Um, for track seven, I'm going to ask you please for a song that many people may not know that you would like them to hear? All right. I'm going to go with the band, The Dirty Nil, which, like I was saying earlier, they're this three-piece band from uh, Ontario, Canada. Incredible live band. Maybe my favorite live band I've ever seen. Um, And just true rock and roll. The real deal through and through. Absolutely amazing. Uh, The song is off their new album, or... I guess it's been out a couple months, but it's called fuck art and it has this hilarious album art of like a little dog on it and stuff, which is rad. Uh, the song is called Elvis 77. And from what I, from what I have, uh, looked up and gathered and read, apparently the song is supposed to be written from the perspective of Elvis as he's dying on the toilet. And it's, (laughs) (laughs) which the concept is so funny, but like, it is one of the catchiest, just greatest rock songs I've heard in a long time. So yeah, if, if you have not listened to the dirty nil strap in and enjoy because they are mind blowing. So good. How did you discover them? Uh, warp tour 2015. We were, uh, Beartooth was on like the monster stage uh, and we became really, really good friends that year with the band Silverstein, who is a Canadian band, great band, uh, some of our best friends in the entire world. And they every day on their like, you know, the day sheet that has the schedule of everything. They had a thing that said nil o'clock and it was always the dirty nils set time. And, uh, you know, after, you know, a few days, they were like, Hey, you need to come see this band. Like, I think it was bill. Their bass player was like, you need to come see the nil. I was like, all right, we'll go watch this band. And you know, after you've been doing it a while, it it honestly is rare that you see a band and you're truly floored. I mean, like blown away, you know, you get kind of this point where you're like, I feel like I've seen a lot, you know, Uh, not too much really shakes my foundation anymore. And we go and we watch this band and, it was just like nothing I had ever experienced. It it felt like a mixture of punk rock. And like, it felt like I was watching a show in the seventies. Like this dude is playing out of this giant Marshall full stack. That's cranked with this Les Paul. And he's wearing like a shirt that has like pot leaf stars and stripes all over it. And he's doing like windmill, like Pete Townsend moves. And his voice is unbelievable. I mean, such a cool singer, great pitch. They sounded really good. And it was just three of them. And like, I, 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 that was the first time. And honestly, the last time that I've like 
seen a band and it just absolutely shattered my whole existence yeah. live. And, uh, so I, and then it was every single day. I watched them every day. If, if there was nothing conflicting, that was priority one. Neil watch the dirty nil is find any of my friends that are there and be like, you need to watch this band. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and they've been one of my favorite bands ever since. Oh, They're just so unbelievable. Cool. Well, what we do is uh, we put together a Spotify playlist to accompany this podcast so people can go and check out um, all of the songs that you've uh, recommended today. Um, as uh, as we touched upon at the beginning, uh, it would appear that where you are, you know, you're, you're definitely on the, uh, the more positive side of this strange time we've been experiencing of late. Um, and with that in mind... Um, what are you looking forward to from the rest of 2021 and what's going to be happening professionally? Uh, I am looking forward to change. I'm looking forward to moving forward just in general. Uh, I mean, this 2020 was so draining. Oh my goodness. It was so draining. Um, Just to like have things on the horizon is incredibly exciting. We have a tour that is going to start in mid August across the United States uh, which is great. There's some really good festivals going on. Then, you know, we're doing a headliner, uh, our biggest tour to date in the UK and Europe in February of 22, which is, uh, really, really exciting. You know, we have our new album comes out in a week, uh, which is really, really exciting. Yeah. It's, it's just nice to have excitement again (laughs) it's nice to have something on the horizon you know and if people want to keep up to speed with that excitement where's the best place to find out about everything that's going to be happening yeah on all you know internet and socials it's just beartooth band just at beartooth band or uh, beartoothband.com uh yeah just go or just google beartooth you're either going to find us or some highway in like the rocky mountains but just go to the band uh, we're not the highway in the Rocky Mountains. Caleb, it's been an absolute joy talking records with you, mate. Thank you so hey, much dude, for your thank time Thank you so today, much mate. for having me. Man. This and, has been fantastic. And as soon as you're in the UK, man, uh, I'm going to come down to the show. Yes, please. Let's hang out and just, I mean, shoot the shit about records again. Man. Oh, I could do mate. this all day. <laughs> it's my absolute pleasure, brother. Have a lovely day, man. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. There you go. What an absolute dude. Um, yeah, smashing chat, smashing man, smashing band. And uh, can't wait to uh, to see them in 2022 in the UK and uh, and get stuck in. Um, oh, man, to see live music. Come on. It's not far off now. It's not far off and it's going to be happening. Right. Um, I'm done. I, uh, I'm very aware that in the intro I waffled on for ages, feeling the love and, uh, yeah, getting a little bit emotional. But, uh, but, hey, it's a safe space, this, right? I can be honest with you, I'm sure. I'm back next time. In the meantime, anything else you need to know about back catalogs and Patreons and anything else to do with this podcast, head over to www.offthebeatandtrackpodcast.com and I'm back next time. Be excellent to each other, you lovely lot. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. Keep me, Stu with him. Eat it,